It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Pete. Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 869 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, January the 21st. What a nice day it is indeed. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show, of course, at Locked On Raptors, as well as on all of your favorite podcast providers. We also have so much stuff for you on the network to check out, from our national NBA show to our local NBA shows to our local team shows covering every other team in the Big Four sports, as well as, uh, you know, for, for example, the NFL. We got our crossover previews ahead of this weekend. There's a million things going on right now in sports, and you can get it all broken down from a local perspective across the Lockdown Network. So go subscribe, rate, review, and support the shows you want to support. It's always very appreciated. All right. On today's show, it's just me diving in to the Raptors' 111-102 loss to the Miami Heat on Wednesday night to fall to 5-9 and nine and ending a three-game winning streak for the Raptors and also ending a streak of seven games in a row where the team looked pretty damn good. They, of course, you know, for the last seven games since that Boston game where they got blown out, had had a really sound process. We saw some signs from their defense that it was coming back to life a little bit, and their offense had been number two in the league in that time. And I was feeling pretty good, feeling pretty encouraged. And then, of course, the Miami Heat come along. A Miami Heat team with no Jimmy Butler, 
that didn't matter. They are still so intensely frustrating to play against, and the Raptors fall 111-102 on the strength, really, or the weakness, I suppose, of a horrible fourth quarter where they didn't score uh, more than a single bucket for seven minutes plus. It was a really, really tough slog to watch the Raptors try to break apart yet another zone from the Miami Heat this time. Of course, they saw it twice against the Charlotte Hornets over the weekend in the two games they played there, too. And, you know, it's the thing that has reared its ugly head once again. So we're going to talk about the zone, the half-court offense in just a sec. We're also going to dive into the defense taking a step back and why Miami was a particularly difficult matchup and why, you know, I think the schedule and the way the ordering of the teams went this week maybe didn't help them all that much with the Heat uh, matchup as well. So we'll get to that. And also I want to give some love to OG Ananobi, who's playing his ass off right now and looked really, really good last night. was the bright spot for a team that did and have a ton of them. So we'll get to that in the second and third segments of the show. But let's start off with my biggest takeaway. And it is that, my God, the Raptors need to figure out a way to bust a zone. It is exhausting at this point. It's very, very predictable. A team busts out a zone. The Heat in particular were very aggressive, sort of coming out to the far reaches of their zone to get up on shooters, daring them to drive and sort of asking them to go into the clutches of Bam Adebayo and whoever else was hanging out near the rim in the bottom part of the zone. And it resulted in a very, very ugly fourth quarter for the team. It started off okay. You know, the first possession of the ha- of the fourth quarter, I believe, they uh, ran something where they got OG the ball at the, at, the, at the free throw line, and he sort of backed someone down and turned around for like a Shaq-ass dunk. And it was like, okay, that's, that's great. OG in the middle of the zone, break, breaking it apart. That sounds good to me. And then they kind of went away from running things through the nail with OG or whoever else was standing there, Pascal sometimes, whatever it might be. And it really became just a lot of passing around the perimeter, waiting for some sort of seam to open up in the zone for someone to drive. And the thing that really kind of graded on me in this one was that when they were taking those opportunities to drive, when they did seem to find a little bit of daylight to get into the teeth of the defense... Oftentimes it was Terrence Davis going in there without a plan and sort of either turning it over, missing shots, whatever it was. He was just not equipped for the role of breaking apart the zone with slashing. He is a very one-dimensional player. And yes, he scored some points last night. That was pretty essential for the Raptors actually in the first half. And it was, uh, you know, as unfortunate as it is that he keeps playing, at least he did something when he was out there to keep the Raptors in the game. Doesn't make it any better that he's on the team still. Um, and, you know, him and Kendrick Nunn going t- t- you know, tit for tat was a pretty discouraging thing to watch. But, you know, I thought in the fourth quarter they rode the Davis thing a little bit too long and we saw the poor decision making that is very inherent to his game. And there just wasn't much else in the way of penetration and, you know, carving up that zone. You saw Pascal Siakam kind of standing in the corner, staying in the, in, in the dunker spot quite a bit, not really doing anything. They weren't running things for Pascal. It was sort of just like, all right, we'll we'll pass it between Kyle and Fred up top and eventually put up a three with four on the clock that is probably going to miss. And I just, it shouldn't be this difficult. They, they see the zone enough. And it's weird, honestly, that a lot of teams go to it, considering the Raptors have a lot of good three-point shooters. It just seems that when the zone is busted out, their three-point shooting plummets for some reason. It's kind of unknowable, probably small sample weirdness, and maybe they figure it out if they see more zone over the course of time. But 
they are not very ingenious with the way they try to break things apart in that zone. And, you know, they don't run enough stuff with Pascal with the ball in his hands, for example. They don't run enough to get, um, you know, Pascal the ball as a finisher. It's just, it's a lot of just sort of water poloing it around the perimeter, waiting for some sort of open look. And, you know, it's just not very creative. It's not very uh, Nick Nursey. It's not Chris Finchie. It's just very, very simple, boring offense. And I guess in part it's due to the fact that they don't have a lot of guys who can easily break people down. The Heat in particular have guys waiting at the rim if it is broken down in Bam Adebayo where it's just like, okay, try to score over this guy. Good luck, Fred Van Vliet. Precious Achua is basically that guy now too off the bench for the Heat. Had a couple of just very easy swats on Fred as he got into the teeth of the defense and there was nothing for him to sort of shoot at because there were hulking monsters in his way the entire time. And we're just really seeing uh, a lack of creativity in that half-court offense. And, and it's, uh, it's a problem. I thought they ran with that bench lineup a little bit too long in the fourth quarter as well. It was Kyle and OG plus Norm, Stanley Johnson, and Chris Boucher. Boucher having a rough game really did not help matters here. Of course, him as a finisher has been so essential for the Raptors offense to succeed the last couple of weeks. And him cooling down and coming back to earth a little bit. You know, I think he's better than what we saw last night, and his issues, frankly, were more on the defensive end than on the offensive end last night, I thought, but with him not scoring 20 points, you know, things got a little bit dry, and I thought they ran with that bench lineup. It was almost five minutes, maybe more than five minutes they ran with it, and by then, they were kind of too far in the hole against the Heat to really make any sort of earnest comeback after they brought back in Pascal, Um, and that's, I want to harp on the Pascal thing again. Look, I know Pascal's scoring has been off. His shooting has been wayward. He's not hitting threes right now. His jump shot looks uneven and uncomfortable. You know, he'll have one in three that looks really nice, and then the other two are off balance, leaning, you know, hitting front rim. You'd figure there'd be an adjustment to be made there, especially considering the ones that do look good are extremely pure and stable and balanced and with two feet on the ground. And I get the maybe trepidation to funnel your entire offense through a guy who's clearly going through it a little bit in the shooting department. I mean, his passing still remains excellent and all that stuff. And I thought his offensive glass work last night was really nice, too. But it's just, you know, they need to realize they have a six foot nine dude who can dribble, can score at, you know, multiple levels and can blow into a defense in a way that their little tiny guards can't in a lot of ways. They need to find a way to ensure Pascal is running more possessions because guess what? When he does run possessions, whether it's against man-to-man or zone, things tend to happen that are good. You know, his post-ups tend to lead to great swings of the ball in a healthy-looking half-court offense. If he's seeing doubles, if he's not seeing doubles, you know, he's missing those little bunnies right now, but his moves look good. He's getting to the spots. He's just got to finish the, you know, refine the finishing. And, you know, we saw last night in the fourth quarter, basically everything good that happened outside of that OG dunk at the start of the quarter was a result of Pascal having the possession run through him. And, you know, they they just don't go to it enough, especially on a night where Kyle Lowry, who, you know, has been the best player on the team so far this season. Not surprisingly, he's been outstanding, but he was pretty rough last night. His shooting was not there. He was just one of 10 from three. You know, you get a better game from Kyle, you probably win this one. But with him not looking right and with Fred Van Vliet kind of tailing off after a really nice start to the game, a bit of a tail off in the fourth quarter, it just, to me, Pascal was the guy to run things through. Even if you're just having him screen and, you know, forcing the defense to make a decision that way, they weren't doing that enough either. And once they finally did start to incorporate him when it was a little bit too little too late, 
he started to score and finished with 18 in the game and shot 7 of 15. Obviously missed his threes, but I thought Pascal was far from the biggest problem for the team in this game. And that's often the case in the half-court offense. Their biggest problems are the guys who are not Pascal. They're the guys who, you know, over-dribble or just aren't big enough to create separation. And I, you know, it just, I don't, I'm not saying don't have Fred and Kyle run stuff in the fourth quarter. That's totally fine to me, but involve Pascal somehow because he forces defense to make decisions. He forces, um, you know, he, he again, he forces the hand a little bit. He, you know, are you going to switch? Are you going to uh, play the pick and pop? What are you going to do? Are you going to allow space for the guard to gain entry into the paint because you're selling out to stop Pascal on the roll, whatever it might be. You know, th- th- there's lots of things you can do with your best scorer involved, and it's weird to me that the Raptors don't use him enough in those late-game situations, especially considering, you know, the body of work we saw last year, where Pascal running pick-and-roll and screening or having the ball in his hands was basically an instant bucket every single time. And I know the zone is weird, I know it sort of is uncomfortable to go up against, but... I think, uh, you know, working Pascal a little bit more is clearly the answer. I say it all the time. Maybe it's just like beating a dead horse at this point, but he is the best scorer on the team. Use him when you need scoring the most. Um, I should also say, you know, this game was a drag. There's no doubt about it. And I've kind of seen the sentiment kind of floating around that the team is still bad, that it isn't fun. And, like, I'm not here to tell you who or what is fun or what is not fun to watch. But I also think, like, on balance... They've been good and fun for the last couple of weeks. They have had sound process. Their their offense has been killing it. And one game, even two games, if things go poorly on Friday, against a notoriously nightmarish team to play is not enough to deter me from feeling good about the signs we've seen recently. And so while I feel quite negative after last night's game, and I think a lot of Raptors fans probably do, I'm not using this as some sort of, you know, leaping off point of, okay, yeah, now this team stinks and it's not fun. Because there have been really fun flourishes in recent games, and I think the overall progress has been there. You know, you're going to have bad games, you're going to have setbacks, and the Heat in particular are the kind of team that cause a lot of setbacks and, you know, grimy, ugly games because they're a nightmare, and they're well-coached, and they defend well. Even if their offense is boring and, you know, easy to shut down at times, they still manage to muck things up enough to, to really screw with you. And the zone is part of that. And I just, I wouldn't take this one game, or again, even if they have a similar result on Friday, I wouldn't take these games against Miami to, you know, sort of jump to the point that, okay, yeah, the tank should be back on. The process and the signs have been there that things are on the right track here. And, you know, you got a bad game last night from guys who have been quite good recently and Chris Boucher, Norm Powell, um, and, and Kyle Lowry, frankly. And if you get better performances from those guys, which you will get most nights, you're going to be just fine, most likely, uh, at least in the race for like the fifth or sixth seed, which I think the Raptors still are very much in. Um, I mentioned the Heat are a difficult matchup. We're going to dive into kind of why the Heat and the matchup they present was particularly difficult for the Raptors to deal with on the defensive end last night as we saw a bit of a step back after probably their best defensive performance of the season on Monday against Dallas. We'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at rockauto.com who are out to save you money on car parts and not have you get fleeced over by the mechanics who know that you don't know anything about what things are supposed to cost. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, 
even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we're going to get into the particular difficulty of the Heat matchup in just one second. But uh, just a reminder, we got Locked On Bets running for you every single day. A wonderful podcast from our friends, uh, your boy Q of Locked On Raiders and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports as they lead you through the betting action every single day trying to win you some money. So go and subscribe to Locked On Bets today. All right, so the Heat. Particularly difficult matchup, and honestly... I'm not sure you could find a more polar opposite of the challenges presented by the Heat to what the Mavericks presented on Monday. That like It's just an entirely different beast. The Dallas Mavericks are this heliocentric team where the Raptors kind of specialize in that, right? They load up, they trust their rotations and their ability to kind of get back and step into the, into the next spot for the guy who's at a position to go and trap. And they have done a really good job with limiting stars and not having stars pick you apart with, you know, passes to short rollers and things like that, that, you know, lead to four on threes that you can't recover from. They've been quite good at recovering from those things and making it work. That's been their story for, you know, a year and a half now, even two years, going back to the Kawhi season in a lot of ways, even though they played a bunch of different styles. And the Heat are just an entirely different beast, especially without Jimmy Butler. I honestly think they would have been more equipped to defend the Heat had Jimmy Butler played, because at least you could do the thing where you stop the star, you sell it to stop the star, and you deal with what you're you're rotating for on the back end. And they've been so good at that. They're so well-practiced at that. The Heat are entirely different, where they're kind of like, you know, the the pre-Donovan Mitchell, like the Gordon Hayward era Utah Jazz, where it's just, let's just run a bunch of shit off the ball, have Duncan Robinson spring free on the other side of the floor for, for something, you know, 18 seconds into the clock. You know, it's a lot of off-ball work, it's a lot of attention to detail, and that's just the kind of defense that this team is not really equipped for right now, you know, with... The star selling, the star stopping defense, you're a lot more equipped to just sort of use your athleticism and your sort of built in muscle memory of where you're going and contesting to in the corners. You know, they funnel things to the corners in that style of defense very, very well. And they're so well equipped to contest and make those shots difficult. 
that's not the same thing with the Heat because they're not, you know, selling out for one guy. They have a lot of different options. Bam Adebayo is such a good passer who, you know, apparently has mid-range to his game now. And Duncan Robinson is such a nightmare off the ball. And you had Kendrick Nunn, who, you know, bad person, don't like Kendrick Nunn, but he was quite good yesterday and just sort of cutting into the teeth of the defense until the Raptors put OG on him in the fourth quarter and he was kind of rendered useless because OG kind of does that. You know, there's just, there's a lot of different, it's like a -a whack-a-mole thing with the Heat where they've got so much stuff going on, even if their talent level is a little bit depressed because they don't have Avery Bradley and Jimmy Butler in the lineup, you know, there's just, there's so much you have to account for and so many shooters who just randomly pop up. Like, who the hell is Max Struess? Why is he hitting 40% of his threes against you? Um, You know, you got random dudes like Gabe Vincent coming in and, you know, while the players themselves might not be insanely talented, the system they run... And the, the complex, you know, actions they'll run, particularly are designed to confuse a team like the Raptors, which is just not on a string yet. You know, we've seen the lack of Marcus Saul all season long, and I think this was the game where you most missed Marcus Saul because he could be at the back, sort of directing traffic, and any sort of things that do spring free, you know, drivers of the basket who get a lane, you have a guy like Gasol standing back there, waiting to, you know, verticality him into oblivion. That's not the case, obviously, anymore. Aaron Baines played last night. I thought he was fine-ish, you know, his best game probably since the first couple games of the season where he was a little bit productive. Um, You know, the fact that, you know, catching seven rebounds is sort of the bar for Aaron Baines is kind of depressing, but, you know, it was nice that he could actually get some run and not look like a complete nightmare out there. The team was a positive in his minutes, so that's good, I suppose. Um, Nick Nurse even suggested he was thinking about bringing him back in in the fourth quarter uh, and kind of didn't quite pull the trigger but was close. You know, that's the closest thing you've had to, like, that sturdy backline defense. You know, Chris Boucher, for all of his virtues, is not a backline defender. He's a fly-around, search-for-blocks, contest-the-corners-all-that-stuff type of defender, much more in the Siakam vein, and he's not in that Gasol vein. And so against a team like the Heat where there's so much to account for and you're inevitably going to have leaks, there's just there wasn't that backline of defense and they were getting just torched on cuts and uh, easy moves to the basket for guys that typically would be eradicated by having Marcus Saul back there as like a human eraser cleaning all, all the mistakes up. And, you know, it's just not the type of team they're terribly equipped to stop right now. Every team should just be heliocentric and have a superstar they can sell out for and Raptors would be the best best defense in the league they're so good at it but the heat are the polar complete opposite and we saw how sort of ill prepared they were to stop it i'm very fascinated this is sort of you know the the hornets game the games against the hornets you know it's just the hornets who cares but with the heat the matchup sort of uh, intricacies between games will be a lot of fun i'm curious to see how the raptors adjust defensively i would like to see them frankly just do what the heat have done and go to zone a little bit more often you know the Yes, the they have some good shooters on the Heat, Duncan Robinson in particular, but they also have some guys that I'm not terribly scared of. And if you're going to make Max Struess or Gabe Vincent beat you, that's probably a pretty good way to go about it. And so I would like to see that a little bit more often. That also, if they can sort of simplify things, play the zones that they've been so good at, that might allow you to get your own zone buster on the floor, which is Matt Thomas. And Nick Nurse spoke after the game last night, said he was almost about to pull the trigger on Matt Thomas to try to bust the zone with his shooting. Didn't quite happen. Um, Probably should have done that, Nick. Uh, Your offense was trash for seven minutes in that fourth quarter. Um, 
you know, if you if you play a more simplified zone for a longer stretch against the Heat, maybe, just maybe, you can get Thomas in there, who most effectively plays defense as one of the top guys in the zone. He's not asked to, you know, guard guys straight up one-on-one, which is going to be a nightmare. He's, you know, he's working within the system. And if you can get him on the floor and make him passable on defense by, you know, suiting your defense to what he does well, then maybe you stand a chance of not getting zoned to death on the other end of the floor. Because right now... Putting out a zone is like having an amazing sixth defender added to the floor for the other team, and it's just leaving the Raptors entirely flummoxed. And if you can get Matt Thomas in there to maybe shake it up a little bit and make a team think twice about zoning up, then I think that's probably a good way to go about it. It also just you know relies on guys making shots they would typically hit. Fred Van Vliet missed a bunch of shots late. Kyle Lowry missed a bunch of threes. You know, you can't rely on those guys to be knocking down their threes all the time, too. And, and you know, so you know, make or miss and all, all that stuff. It's just a weird matchup that I think would be uh, made a little bit better if you could sort of find a way to get Thomas in there and not lose too much on the defensive end. So more zone for the Raptors. Just give the teams doing it to you a taste of their own medicine. I think that'd be a pretty good call. Um, We're going to continue on. It's been kind of negative so far. I'm going to move into the final segment and talk about OG Ananobi, who was awesome and sort of finish on a high note. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Of course, the best place for you to be putting your money down if you're betting on sports, whether it's uh, NFL games this weekend, whether it's NBA games on night to night, props, you know, futures, whatever it might be. Go to BetOnline.ag right now. Use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus. So if you put in 500 bucks, you get 750 bucks to play with. That is a kick-ass deal. And again, there's a million things to bet on right now as well. And I highly recommend you check out what they got at BetOnline.ag. If you don't like North American sports, you can bet on like Croatian basketball. If you're if you're really into that type of thing, fully encouraged to go and do that. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, just a heads up, before we wrap this up with some OG love, we are going to do a mailbag podcast on Friday. So get your questions in. Hopefully, Katie's going to join me. Um, still working on scheduling, but mailbag coming up on Friday regardless. And uh, hope you get some questions in. I would love to answer them for you with a pal. All right, uh, OG Ananobi, looking really good, man. <laughs> he was incredible last night. 18 points, 4 of 8 from 3, 6 of 12 overall, 7 boards, 3 assists, 1 steal. As I mentioned, he was basically the only one who offered any sort of 
reprieve from the zone, working in the middle of the defense. Um, you know, he's becoming a better passer. He can use that nail position as an outlet to make passes to guys. You know, a couple of errant passes here and there. Uh, one in particular, I think he threw over Kyle Lowry's head in the fourth quarter when it was still within reach. That was a bummer, but I really loved the way they used OG in this game. He had the ball in his hands a little bit more often. He, you know, he had the three assists, which is really great to see. And I think, you know, this is what we talked about in the first game of the season where OG really struggled despite having the ball a whole bunch. You know, we're seeing more and more he's making fewer mistakes. He's still going to make mistakes, but that's the process of trying to develop a guy and make him more than what he's been. And I'm glad he's getting more runway to make mistakes as sort of a, a linchpin of the offense as opposed to just standing in the corner waiting for threes. Although he's quite good at that too. And you know, the three-point shooting I know is a concern for a lot of people to start the year. He's now 48% from three over the last eight games or so. Obviously, it won't stay that hot, but it's coming back to normal levels. You'd figure he's going to be somewhere between a 37 and 40% three-point shooter, and that is excellent. And it's nice to see he hasn't totally forgotten how to shoot. And it's also worth noting his defense is bonkers. You know, he, as I mentioned earlier, he goes in to guard Kendrick Nunn to start the fourth quarter, and Nunn is basically rendered useless. I think he only had three points in the fourth after 25 in the first three. Um, and that was because they made that switch, and OG just harangued him. And, he, you know, he had one or two ridiculous, you know, deflections and steals. He only was credited for one steal. It feels like every steal the Raptors get has some involvement from OG in there. And he's just coming along really nicely here. He, I think, is really, you know, refining himself as a play finisher. I've talked a lot about how I think the role for OG this season is akin to what Siakam was during his breakout year in the championship season, where, you know, he wasn't asked to create a lot, but he was able to, you know, capitalize when other players were over leveraged and the defense was over leveraged to stop them and become an opportunistic scorer. And he's done a really good job with that. You know, the three point shooting is obviously a big part there. Um, but I also think, you know, we saw in the zone, for example, the way he could kind of carve out space for himself and dunk on people like he's, you know, 2001 Shaq. You know, that is all the opportunistic stuff that is really essential. If you're going to be, you know, a third or fourth option in an offense where you're not having the ball in your hands all the time, you got to be able to finish when it comes to you. And he's doing a really good job with that. And I'm just loving OG, man. Watching his defense is a treat. He is, I believe, second in the league in steals right now. And it feels like he could be a lot higher if, if like, you were credited for steals, if you were the one to cause the disruption that led to the ball falling into somebody else's hands. Like, that's an OG steal to me when that happens. And that happens all the freaking time. I also think it's really cool that him and Stanley Johnson have formed a nice little duo where they are basically impenetrable defensively. Had a couple plays last night where they converged and forced steals and forced really, really awkward possessions from the Heat. And, you know, as much as Stanley Johnson has his limitations, he was scoreless last night. He is still not, you know, maybe my favorite choice to have part of, as part of the rotation right now. The defense he provides is really excellent. And in conjunction with OG... You know, you're giving yourself a baseline of really good defensive play in those in-between transitional lineups at the very least. Even if the offense is trash like it was at the start of the fourth quarter, you know, the Raptors gave themselves a shot to stay in that game because they only allowed eight points in the seven or so minutes that they gave up or that they scored just two. And they still remained within 
reaching distance just because of how good their defense was. And having those two who are so interchangeable, who can switch, who can both play, you know, as sort of small ball fives, you know, there's not really a position either guy is playing. They're kind of going all over the place. They've all, they've each guarded all different types of players in recent games from Stanley Johnson guarding Lillard and McCollum to, uh, you know, OG at different times last night guarding Bam and also guarding uh, Kendrick Nunn. I mean, it's just, it's cool to have those types of defensive weapons. And I'm not surprised based on the way Johnson's played defensively that Nick Nurse keeps going to him, even if the offense is very much not there. And maybe that is of more concern in some situations, you know, it's kind of oscillated back and forth. The thing I've been most concerned about with the Raptors, whether it's the offense or the defense, the offense has actually performed quite quite well. And the defense is still a work in progress. But when you have uh, a pair of guys like that who you can kind of pair together and guarantee yourself a good defensive lineup, that's nice to have. That That is a, a step forward in constructing 48 minutes of sound defense, which the Raptors are kind of in the process of trying to do right now. They have moments. They have lineups that they can go to that are really good. They have other lineups where the IQ is just not there. The cohesion is not there. But OG, as sort of a, a staple, as a pillar of the defense, is a pretty damn good starting point, and he has been an absolute hound on that end. It's been a ton of fun to watch. He's a freak and in the best possible kind of way. So I just wanted to end on a nice bit of a positive OG talk because why not? He deserves it. He's awesome. Uh, the Raptors decidedly not awesome last night. They get a chance to bounce back on Friday against the Heat. Hopefully that game is less ugly, although it is a game against the Heat, so it is sure to be ugly as shit. <laughs> it's just the way it goes, man. Um, but we will, of course, uh, you know, tee that one up a little bit in our mailbag tomorrow and uh, do the best we can to break it down either with a Saturday episode or just to do it on Monday uh, as we break down a game against the Pacers on Sunday as well. The scheduling of the podcast is going to be a little weird here, I think, just because of the strange um, layout of these games. You've got the Pacers at like one o'clock on Sunday. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But we definitely will have a podcast for you tomorrow so you can get ready for that. And again, if you are still interested in the heat, go listen to yesterday's episode with David Ramil of Locked on Heat as we got all into their slow start. That got a little less slow last night with their win over the Raptors. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, always appreciate the support and all the love. And uh, while you are at it, while you're in your podcast app now, go and listen to a different Lockdown show. For example, Lockdown Leafs or Lockdown Blue Jays. The Leafs are, you know, deep into their season now, five games in. They played last night against Edmonton. They lost, but Mike DiStefano will be breaking that all down for you. So go listen there. And of course, you can also check out Lockdown Blue Jays if you have not yet listened to AJ Andrews' uh, George Springer reaction episode. Go and do that right now. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Always appreciate it. Find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean, and we will talk to you again on Friday with a mailbag edition of Locked On Raptors. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.